Hey, Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads Podcast Network for even more great basketball content. What's up, everyone? I'm your host, J.K. Rivera, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Kenneth Wilson, and welcome to 305 Culture, a show where you feel the heat. Yeah, Let's yeah. get down to business and talk some Miami Heat basketball. Well, before we begin, Kenneth, it's been a while since we last recorded. We took a bit of an all-star break ourselves since, you know, we're both all-stars. How you doing, man? I can't complain, man. Glad to be here. Always glad to talk ball, especially Miami Heat ball. Let's get it going. Yeah, especially Miami Heat ball because they have been balling as of late. The number one seed in the Eastern Conference and a full game ahead of the Chicago Bulls for the number, excuse me, two games ahead of the Chicago Bulls for the number one seed. But before that, we have to discuss the first two games after the All-Star break. First, we have the New York Knicks who we defeated handedly 115 to 100. RJ Barrett went off. And somehow, some way, the discussion was around him. Like, it was insane to watch in the middle of the game. The the coverage was, they talked a lot about the Lakers and the Knicks and R.J. Barrett. And nothing, not much about the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, which I think it speaks to a larger problem in sports media, but we're not going to get into that. The Miami Heat defeated the, the New York Knicks 115-100 to 100 at Madison Square Garden, a game that featured Let's Go Heat chants at Madison Square Garden, which was music to my ears. Kenneth, what do you think about the game? I mean, I think you touched on it all, man. It was just a game where the Miami Heat basically dominated for the most part they allowed the Knicks to come back towards the middle of the game but when everything mattered the most the Miami Heat put their foot on the gas and were able to you know shut the Knicks out basically my grand takeaway if I had to choose just one would be that um Julius Randle's trash no I'm sorry I don't want to call the man trash but he isn't Chris Bosh um he isn't as good as people wanted him to believe are are you sure about that yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. Um, I don't know how long he's for New York. He went two of 15 from the field, 13 percent uh, field goal percentage. Uh, he went 0 of 4 from three. Of course, that's zero percent, three point percentage. Um, I mean, eh, you got to have more from the guy who's supposed to be your best player if you're going to win games um and ultimately in order to compete you have to win games but like you said rj bear had himself a game i mean they lost by 15 points but hey go off i mean he played well he scored the ball well but listen the julius randall point he's gonna get run out of town there that's an all-time contract year finesse like the guy was nowhere near like he was a solid nba player but he was nowhere near the guy that he was last season and then it just went away he got paid and it got and it went away i don't know i don't there have been some viral clips of him giving questionable effort on defense like there was a possession in the sixers game in which james harden and joel Embiid ran a pick and roll and randall just stayed stand like he just stood still he did not bother to attack the roller and joel Embiid got a free free basket but anyway let's talk about the heat 
Jimmy Butler took a while to get going. He started. He didn't score the ball a lot, and then I believe it was in the third quarter he took over, and he the Knicks kind of made a, a comeback there. But then in the fourth quarter, that he just, as he said, put their foot down and really didn't allow them to do much. Bam Adebayo has been on a tear recently. We're gonna touch on that a bit later. But yeah, I don't think we should dwell too much on this game. The Knicks are a trash. The Heat are the best team in the NBA. What what else is there to say? And, and you know, it was a while ago, so I think it it should it's probably faded in our minds, and we got bigger issues ahead. Well, bigger games ahead. To end our coverage of the Knicks game, uh, Tyler Hero led the Heat in scoring twenty five points, nine of eighteen shooting. Bam Adebayo was insane defensively on Julius Randle. Although, historically, he has always he has like defended Julius Randle really well. And he ended, he ended up with 16 points, 16 rebounds. There's something really weird with, with Bam. And we're probably going to get to it later. Like, we know he's playing really, really, really well. And it seems like he's taking more shots than he is. Like, when you, when you, know, like you see him take turnaround jumpers tag the basket and all that and then you look up and do you know how many shot attempts he had in the Knicks game? Probably only like 13. 10. Yeah. I mean, but when you're being aggressive and you're making every shot count, then it's going to look like that because every no, time you... I'm not ahead. knocking him. I'm not knocking him. It's just like... No, I'm not knocking him either. I'm explaining it to you. When you make every shot count, it always seems as though you took more shots than you did because all of your shots mean something. We don't forget shit because yeah. it wasn't a possession where you should have did something and didn't. So we don't chalk it up in our brain as some lost shit. When you make that shit count and when you attack, like it always seems like more than it is. Yeah. So moving on to the Spurs game, a game in which Bam really did shoot a lot finished with a season high in points this game was a doozy 133 to 129 which is weird because the heat have been known mostly for their defense this season and yeah i wouldn't this, say that's fair they top 10 to offense and defense but i mean right they usually they're, they're, i get no I, I give it to you i know what you're saying they usually don't allow teams to get to 100 and if you allow a team to get to 100 it ain't that much over and it's typically an overtime involved no i get it um and the way that i frame this one in my post game for all you can heat.com when you can check us out for all your written miami heat needs that'll be me and jj whenever check jj us out, y'all. To, right right check us out, y'all. um it's basically we came into this game hoping to stop to slow the spurs down a very high octane output um, but they aren't as efficient with it, and it doesn't necessarily translate to winning. But they can put up some points because they go fast. So you came into this game hoping to stop the Spurs, and you couldn't. So what it turned into was you having to outscore the Spurs, um, which is also what they're capable of and a beautiful thing. Obviously, you don't like it when you have to. I don't like these type of games, honestly. Like It just puts too much pressure. I don't pressure. mind it, man. Sometimes you got to be able to win multiple ways, right? I mean, that's a sign of a great team, obviously. Oh, yeah. But it's oh, yeah. just that I don't know. I'm I'm used to seeing them like suffocate other teams. By the way, they the Heat took 38 free throw attempts. They doubled the 
free throw attempts for the Spurs. <laughs> and probably missed and probably missed fucking 28 of them. Oh my god. We've been they terrible. They missed 11. <laughs> We've been terrible shooting free throws since the All-Star break. I mean, I mean, terrible. Yeah. I mean, last night we're recording on March 1st by the way, and the night the day after the win over the Bulls. I mean, they missed a couple free throws last night against the Bulls. Tyler missed some, Jimmy missed some. So it was it's strange. Um, really. Who? Gabe missed some. Yeah, Gabe, with that sweet stroke of his, like, I don't, I don't. Listen, that man has one of the purest shooting strokes I've uh, I've seen from a player. Yeah, but and that's that's kind of, and not to get too far ahead of myself, that's kind of been in conversation with me for the last two years. Like, even when a lot of people wanted to give up on him, like my argument with this, and it sounds crazy if you don't know what you're looking at, but to your point. It's like, yo, the jumper had to fall. The jumper wasn't broke. And most of his shots, like, I'm serious. Like, over the course of his first couple of years with us, 90% of his shots were the type that went down and came back out. Like, it wasn't that he sucks at shooting. The man just has the worst luck ever. Like, he, he shouldn't live in old buildings because if that bitch catch on fire, he's not getting out. His luck just that bad. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But... Listen, good for him. He's been playing well recently. He started for Kyle last night. Kyle was out again for personal reasons. Hopefully, he everything's okay with him. But he filled the role admirably. But let's talk about one Idris Adebayo. 36 points against the Spurs. Season high. 21 shot attempts. I know Kenneth likes that number. Not much on the like on the other departments in the box score. I might. I should say, although he did have three blocks. He's been block, blocking a lot of shots lately, which... Absolutely. I, think, I mean, the, the aggression has translated to both ends, and you love that. I mean, he's attacking the shots, though. I think that's important. He's attacking block shots. I mean, let's listen. Okay, I was going to mention something else about last night, but let's get this game out of the way. From the Spurs, what do you like to? What do you like about them? I mean, what, what, well, see, what you have to look at is um, Coach Pop is the most brilliant basketball coach ever because he's convinced us all that he's trying to win with his young guys while the whole time he's just tanking over there. But anyway, <laughs> um, I mean, what you like is Bam Adebayo, man. Like you said, you, you kind of nudged me a little bit and saying, you know, I like that on the shot attempts. And, like, of course I do because all I want the fool to do is be aggressive because if he's aggressive, good things are going to happen because he's just that good. Um, he attacked the dude from Australia. I can't think of his name. You know, one of those big white dudes that the Spurs got over there. He attacked Zach Collins. He attacked whoever they put in front of him, and he made him look bad. Um, and Bam can do that to anybody. I mean, plain and simple. He's too good. He's too big. He's too strong. He's too skilled. He's too quick. Um, he got too many moves. I mean, he just knows how to play the game of basketball. He simply has to go out there and do it and stop thinking. Um, Bam has to realize that more often than not, he's one of the best four players on the court. Go act like it. On the Spurs side, they were without all-star DeJounte Murray, without Yaga Porl, without Romeo Langford, and without Keldon Johnson. So, they were a bit shorthanded. Lonnie Walker played really well, scoring the ball at least. And then he led a balanced attack for the Spurs. But, yeah, it was a great effort by the Heat. By the way, Jimmy Butler... Be remiss if we didn't mention Jimmy Butler. 27 points for him. Tyler Hero had 27 as well. Tyler Hero has been playing really well since the and All-Star break. You, Jimmy didn't play much coming down the stretch. Oh, yeah, he didn't play, he didn't play the, the fourth guys. quarter. 
Right. He said he wanted to go with the young guys, a unit led by Bam Adebayo. Um, and it was good to see Bam be able to be the driving force, especially on offense, to, you know what I mean, a win like that, especially one of high output, um, of high output, uh, what's the word, of high output uh, ferocity, I guess, you know what I mean? Like ferociously high scoring for both teams in the grand scheme of things, especially when you're talking about a Miami Heat game. So to see Bam be able to lead his team to a win in that situation is very encouraging. Yeah. So, uh, listen, let's just let's just move on. I really, I really want to talk about the Bulls game. You want to say something else about the Spurs game? I mean, there really just isn't much to say about the two games when you look at the Knicks and the Spurs. You're talking about two wins against teams that we should have beat. Um, everybody's professional, so nothing's going to be quote-unquote easy, but these are two games that we should have won. I mean, you're looking at the Spurs, and they are right there on the cusp of a play-in slot in the Western Conference, but you don't see them doing much. Now, if you're one of those teams that's supposed to win, you don't necessarily want to play them in the play-in because they got young guys who don't know enough to give a fuck. So they're the type of team that could beat you. But at the same time, you're looking at one of the bottom teams in the West right now. The Knicks currently sit at 12th in the East, so you're not really looking at them to make it a whole bunch of noise. These are two wins that they were supposed to get. Again, any win against a pro team in the NBA with other proper pros um, that get paid a lot of money to play this game we call basketball, that's a good win. But they were supposed to win those games. So that would be my wrap-up there. By the way, the... The Knicks are really far from a playing spot. They are currently uh, four games behind the Hornets for the tenth seed. Who are also terrible. Oh yeah, I mean, but at this point, I would rather have the Hornets, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For entertainment purposes, in that playing. But game. I mean, but I mean, that's just that's just, I guess, a relative Although, analysis hmm. of how bad the Knicks are. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. the Hornets are terrible right now and they're probably going to fire James Borrego um, rightfully or you unrightfully really so. so. Yeah, they're probably going to fire him. And that, early, and I, that early and into Lamelo's tenure? I don't think they should, but based on where they started to where they are now, they're going to blame somebody. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think they should, but they're probably going to cut him loose. I wouldn't be. I put it to you like this: I wouldn't be shocked if they fire Borrego. But I mean, um, that I think that the, relatively explains how bad the Knicks are, though. Like the Hornets are bad right now, but the Knicks are worse than that. Yeah, Thibs is gone, unless Leon Rose, who's this guy, doesn't let him go for some reason. Here's the thing, though, man, and 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 I can buy that. I don't argue with that. And we're going to move on to the Bulls here shortly. But we brought up an interesting topic. Um, I don't see that and I can't refute that right because you're going to say well you're the coach it's your responsibility to put the players together and pull the best out of them but here's the thing man when Julius Randle stole that money and you got to play through him because you don't know if that was a fluke or not and you're hoping that it wasn't so you're hoping he's the same guy and he just don't come back and give you that when you're forced to play Kemba Walker for the first part of the season and then you try to get rid of him Kemba come back and beat Kemba then you got to try to play him again and it further sabotages you when Evan Fournier just has a terrible year, I mean, like, Evan Fournier, he's still a good shooter. He's just had a terrible year, bro, and I can't explain it. And, you know, I was high on Fournier. Well, not, like, necessarily, um, you know, Fournier's a top, 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 whatever, but I thought he'd be a great shooter and, you know, a person able to handle the ball for them, and he's just had a terrible year, bro. So when you got all of those things going on with your personnel, it's and, well, tough. Go ahead. 
here's something that I really hold against Thibs. He just flat out refuses to play Cam Reddish. Like, you gotta see. If, like, Cam Reddish is a talented guy. He's a talented wing. I know, like, he makes mistakes and all. And, and Thibs has, hasn't shown a propensity to play young guys. I mean, that's why everybody was so surprised of Emmanuel Quickly's rise last season. But... There's a difference, though. There's a key difference, and you can't blame Tibbs for that. When you can see it with your own eyes, when you can cut it because it's the thickest pound cake, that's the difference. The difference between Quigley and Reddish is this. I don't give a fuck which end of the floor Quigley's on. He's trying his ass off. Unless Cam Reddish is shooting the ball, he looks uninterested. And you know you're not going to play for Tibbs if you look uninterested. Reddish is as big, as athletic, and as put together as any player in the NBA. If he halfway commits himself to playing defense, he'll be a really good player in the league. I'm not saying he'll be a star, but he's a 10 to 15 year pro off his skill set, his tools, and just his size, bro. Like he can knock down an open shot. He's six fucking eight. And he's long. He's athletic. If he just puts in a little bit of effort on the defensive end and looks interested, then he won't find himself traded all over the fucking place and sitting on the bench. So, yeah, I understand that, but you got to give me something to play. And that's the difference right there. Quigley will end up all over the floor scrambling like a little worm, trying to hustle and bust his ass on the defensive end for a loose ball, whatever the fuck. And that's how you earn Tibbs' respect. I mean, to be honest, I don't know if it was a lack of effort against the Heat or just simply getting outplayed. Oh, but yeah. Well, were... I'm not, yeah, I'm not specifically speaking against us. So that's a little different. I mean, that game, I don't, do you think it was more not buying into what the coach was trying to preach or just simply getting flat out outplayed? What are you talking about, Heat Knicks? Yeah. Um, Flat out outplayed, put it to you like this, bro. And this is what I'll tell people. I, I haven't had this conversation because New York fans are ignorant. And I say that ignorant isn't a bad word. Ignorant just means not knowing. And when I say ignorant in this sense, I mean, you don't know what's to root say for. It's a polite way of saying you're dumb as fuck. Well, <laughs> well I mean, ignorant means not knowing, brother. I'm not going to agree with what you're saying because you're going to get me fired. But <laughs> what I mean is ignorance just means not knowing. You don't know that your team is bad. You don't know that what you're rooting for is the wrong thing. R.J. Barrett had to damn near score 50 just for them to lose by 15. Think about that. I mean, if he... And he was, credit to him, he was making contested shots. Right. He was making shit that R.J. Barrett isn't supposed to make. And he had to do that just for them to lose by 15. So imagine if he has a typical R.J. Barrett game, somewhere between 17 and 24 points. They lose by 30 points. You see and what by I'm the saying? Way, they just stayed at 100 points, even with R.J. Barrett scoring 46. Like, think about that. Right. So the that, man that, damn near scored half their points, and they still, I mean, they, <laughs> it's insane, really. They're just bad, bro, and that that was the thing. So, no, nah, it's just terrible. Like, we were just a better team. If R.J. Barrett don't score 50, they lose by 30. And he had to score 50 for them to lose by 15. That That's the story right there. They're just not a good team right now. Yeah. A lot of questions to be asked in New York this offseason, as usual, except for last season. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, we kind of bounced around a little bit, but it was just a comparative um, – it was a deeper comparative conversation of the Spurs and the Knicks and how both of those are bad. And the Miami Heat just got two wins they were supposed to win. But I will say this. If you wanted to play two teams to kind of get your shit together – 
for the game that was Monday night's game against the Bulls. I would say those were two good little, you know, after post All-Star break tune-up matches because they kind of challenged you, gave you some things. Um, R.J. Barrett was a, you know, okay, that's a simulation of what you can see versus DeMar DeRozan, just a motherfucker who can flat out go off. And then you face um, the Spurs team. By the way, we we had him in jail. Absolutely. Oh, we're going to get to that. Then you then you face a Spurs team that's a how output team, which is another good representation of what the Bulls do because they can put the ball in the basket when they're on their shit. Um, it just so happens Monday night they weren't on their shit, and a large part of that was due to what the Miami Heat were doing. I mean, double teams, hedging, traps. Um, Gabe Vincent had Zach Levine soul searching. I mean, it was just <laughs> it was just fucking amazing um, what they were able to do to the Chicago Bulls Monday night from a defensive perspective was just flat out. I mean, I have no words. Zach looked annoyed by the end. Absolutely. He was pissed. And and that's what I mean, soul searching. There was one play on an open break, and I think it was in the second half, where after Gabe took the charge, Zach Levine looked like Macaulay Culkin standing in the mirror just grabbing his face. Like, what the fuck do I got to do to get this little (laughs) bastard out of my way? Yeah, it was a rough night for the Bulls in Miami. DeMar DeRozan, an MVP, an MVP candidate, I might add. A guy who has been on a tear. He had, what was the streak? He had like, he scored 30 points in a ridiculous, yeah, like. I was like a seven straight game, the 35 or more. Yeah, he, he was, see, I, like, he was so good. He was, MJ, he was, so, he was approaching MJ territory. Jordan, right, a Michael Jordan Bulls scoring record. When you, when you start talking about that shit, you know he was doing something real good. Yeah. He was approaching, he was literally approaching MJ territory. But, you know, have they beat the Miami Heat? No. Anyway. 3-0 in the the season series. 3-0 in the season series. There's virtually no way, there's virtually no way that they can win a tiebreaker over us if we finish with the same record, which is good to know. Oh, yeah. Really good to know. Anyway, I don't want to hear that they were without, oh, we've been without Caruso and without Ball for a long stretch of time. Right. The Miami Heat are the last team you should say that to, okay? Because we've kicked their ass without at least one of our guys going every time. And listen, I understand injuries are tough to see, are tough to deal with. It's not. Of course, secret. we understand, JJ. We played half our fucking games without most of our roster. Of yeah. course, we get it. That's what I was gonna say. Like, we we understand what, how how Bulls fans how Bulls fans feel at this moment because. It sucks not like knowing that your team is not whole. The difference is we kept winning. But I'm gonna. I'm glad that's that's what I the boy. That's what I was gonna say. I was <laughs> gonna say, well, you know that does suck, but um, you got to keep winning games like we did. So I hear that injury shit, and and it and it's laughable, bro. Because I've told several people um, this season. There's no other fan of any other team out there that can come to me with the injury excuse. Nobody. Because nobody has missed more time combined. Well, oh, man, listen. The Lakers have been missing Kendrick Nunn all season. You got to cut them some slack. Again, nobody has missed more time <laughs> uh, between their main guys as the Miami Heat. For crying out loud, Bam missed fucking six weeks. 
You know what I mean? Jimmy and Butler. And all, still, by the way, I'm gonna well, let's start pushing the agenda. He should be no, the defensive still, player of the year. Absolutely, he's still a top two candidate at work. Should be the number one for the defensive player of the year. Ben Simmons hasn't played, so you take one out there. John Morant has been good, but even with all John Morant does, I don't know if he has the impact that Bam Adebayo has. Um, there may be one or two other guys you could throw up there, but I don't think anybody is at the impact. Well, on you mean team. for defensive player of the year? Yeah. I don't oh, know about. Hey, bro, hey, bro, if you got to look at what he does on defense, like, he disrupts shit. Um, I don't know who else you would put out there, but I'm looking at... Rudy? See, here's the thing about Rudy. Um, Rudy's been kind of fucking... Rudy's been kind of fucking... What's the word? I guess there's fatigue with him. He's he's still been really... He's been great. He's been really good, but he's also been fucking... I'm looking for the word. He's been exposed a bit this year. You know what the Clippers did to him last year? I don't know if it's exposed or just that the, the Jazz have shitty defenders around him. Well, okay, that's fair, but here's the thing. In the NBA in 2020 MBR, as a big dude, you got to be able to step out a little bit and move your feet. If all you can do is stand back there and, you know what I mean, play Mr. Swat shit at the rim, I don't know if I can continue to label you as a great defender because of that. That just means you're bigger than every fucking body else. I mean, but don't, oh, don't, oh. I'm not knocking him for what he do. I'm just saying it's like last year in the playoffs and what the Clippers did to him, it showed us that we need to see more from Rudy. And if anybody else isn't holding them to that expectation, then they're cool with Utah getting to the first round and losing. I mean, listen, I'm not going to disagree with your point. And obviously this is a small sample size, but he did really well against Luka in the fourth quarter of that game against the Mavs. Of course, it's a one-game sample size, but he did really well against him. I'm just about to say that this motherfucker just tried to use 12 minutes to disprove <laughs> five years. <laughs> I did say, I did preface it by saying it was a small sample you size. You did, JJ. I'll give you that. You did. But yeah, anyway, so I, anyway, I don't know. We're, we're I don't know, man. Off track here, man. No, absolutely. We didn't because, you know, bam, the agenda... We always got to push the agenda. If you're pushing the agenda, you on track. You know, that's what Heat fan base, that's what the Miami Heat fan base is, man. We're all about agendas, man. We don't give a fuck about winning or losing or titles. We just want our agenda to come true. I'm being facetious here, but please stay off Twitter because if you're on Twitter, that's all you're going to see. Agenda, agenda, agenda. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Agendas um, galore. I mean, listen, bro. What the Miami Heat did to the Chicago Bulls on Monday night, um... It separated them, bro. It separated them. I mean, I'm going to just be frank. They're, I'm not going to call them a pretender. I think this should uh, be a, a, a bigger deal than some people are making out to be. Right. I'm not going to call them a pretender, but I will say this. They can't hold the Miami Heat's jockstrap. Not only have we beat them three fucking times, but this last time, and without our second best player, third best player, I'll give them that, without our third best player on the floor, Cal Laurie didn't play. And we beat the dog shit out of them. Let's just be frank. Yeah, it the was. Final score, the final score doesn't indicate how bad of a loss this was for them. Jimmy nor PJ played in the fourth period. And by the way, I want to say something. Like, I don't remember the tweet, but I did see that the Bulls have not played well against teams over 600. So... A bit of a concerning trend there. And Oh yeah, they, they, beat up on the, they beat up on the bottom feeders. If they stay in the two seed and Brooklyn ends up with the seven seed, assuming they win their playing game, the Nets should be heavily favored. Oh hell against yeah! Against them, 
Chicago mm. is one of those teams that they're going to get to the playoffs, right? And they might they might win a first round series, but in a second round series, they're absolutely going to have trouble. And dare I say, it might be ugly. I'm not taking them over Philly, over in Brooklyn, assuming KD and Ben Simmons are healthy and Kyrie can right. play full time. But but I think that by the end of it, both of those teams are able to climb up a little higher than the play in territory. I mean, the Sixers are a game behind the Bulls for the second seed, by the way. They're right. the third seed right now. Absolutely. So there's a good chance they climb up that ladder. So who knows? So do you but, do you think that do you think the seventy sixers end up leapfrogging the Bulls? Listen, we gotta talk a bit about that. If James Harden and Joel Embiid are like they've only played two games, but those two they, games they have been they, spectacular. They look they look good though. I can't front. They look good. If they keep playing that way, they're going to leapfrog them. And I, I expect the Heat to stay with the first seed, but they're going to, like, it's going to be a run for, our, they're going to give us a run for our money for that first seed. I think like that we, if anybody... We, we, we can't sli- slip, that's what I mean. Yeah, there's only one team, well, there's two teams built to slow them down. That's us and the Bucks. So I think that, you know, there is a little solace there. Um... But, yeah, I think they definitely leapfrog the Bulls. I, I just used both of them to kind of throw Brooklyn in that no because we were talking about Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I mean, Brooklyn and Philly. But I think I definitely think Brooklyn gets above. I think Brooklyn finished the sixth seed or higher, to be quite honest. I mean, they're the eighth seed right now. They're two games behind Toronto for the seventh seed. And currently, 3.5 games behind Boston for the sixth seed. I don't know. I think it's tough for them. Because Boston has been playing really well. Cleveland, I don't see them falling out of the fifth seed. Although they're tied. Well, they're a game ahead of Boston for the fifth seed. Overrated, by the way. Which I tried to tell you earlier in the year. I mean, don't get me wrong. If they, I like if, they go against, if they go against the Bucks in the first round, they're going to get their asses handed to them. Absolutely. I like what Cleveland did, but I don't think that they were what everybody wanted to put on them. And I told you that I think after our first two matchups with them where we lost... Um, what they do in the regular season that makes them so good is going to hurt them in the playoffs. They play big as fuck. But you give a coach like Spo or even a rookie coach with, with a lot of talent a chance to see that for multiple games over, they're going to find out how to turn that strength into a weakness, and it's going to absolutely kill you. Oh, yeah. But listen, they're a bitch to play in the regular season. They're probably our worst regular season matchup uh, in the league Oh, yeah, right because, now. They make, because they make shots in the paint hard. They make close shots hard because they play so fucking big. It's hard to get a good paint look off them. And if you'll notice, when we when we win, especially, we score like a thousand points in the paint. But any other time, we at least score thirty. You know what I mean? So we do a lot of damage in the paint. And when you talk about a team as big as Cleveland that don't allow you to get those shots in the paint, which make it harder for your perimeter guys to be able to do what they do, then you know you're just talking about a bad matchup. Yeah. By the way, were Brooklyn would. Were Brooklyn to win against Toronto, they will be in their playing game. They'll be the seventh seed and currently facing the Bulls. Again, I said that. But then, who would I would rather face? Like, there's a chance we face either the Hawks or the Hornets, because I don't I don't think Toronto makes it past the playing. They play their guys heavy minutes and. I, like, I, I think they right make it now, past the play-in. 
I just, I'm, but I'm with you though. After they play the play-in game, I think they're so fucking gassed that they have nothing in this series. But I think they can beat the Hawks or the Hornets. I think they can. It's just that they're an injury away. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, to your point, I would rather play them because of that. Because they rely so much on five, six guys. I would rather play the Hornets or the Hawks. They're teams that don't defend. Obviously, do we run the risk of one game they just go berserk? Right, three. and and that scares me. Because Atlanta can do that. They can just one game they're just they'll just kill you from. And you also talking about a situation where all you need is Miles Bridges and Kelly Oubre to decide that hey we're playing the Heat again, and that's some shit that can kill you too. Because remember, right before the All Star break, Oubre went nuts. Yeah, oh, I remember that game. I really i I remember that game. Don't worry. It was an exhausting watch. Anyway, you know, we have we, we veered off track here. We haven't actually talked about talked about the actual game. There were a lot of, there was a lot of shit that the happened. Bulls? Here. You mean the Bulls? Yeah. You mean the team we all you mean the team that we I mean just absolutely put in jail? I mean I I, I mean listen. I think that we covered the gist of it. I get what you're saying. You want to go into a little nuance, but I think the main core thing was they couldn't stop us. Gabe Vincent was hitting shots, and we were able to stop their stars. Vucevic, we put that man in check. We embarrassed him at every given opportunity. We put Jimmy Butler on him on the defensive end and let Which Caleb Martin, yeah, and let is... Caleb Martin dunk all on his head on the offensive end. We the kept way, Zach... you... Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt again. You good? Just that... Did you see on Twitter that? That wasn't Gabe's first, Caleb's first offense against Vucevic. Oh, really? In Charlotte, he dunked over his head as well. Oh, man. Oh, man. So you may tell me that Vucevic has twin trauma. But anyway, um, I mean, it, it, it was beautiful, but it was ugly for them. Basically, if you blitz DeMar... And you take Levine out of the game, and it sounds a lot easier than it sounds a lot easier said than done. But if you blitz Demar, and not and never allow Zach to get in rhythm by having a pest, and that's what Gabe is. Gabe is a pest because he's strong, because he's not scared, and because he's going to continue to do what the fuck it and is he does. That's a strength of ours. Because listen, Demar Derozan has been the most unstoppable isolation scorer in the league this season, like per the numbers. And he has been the best tough shot maker. So what did that he he do? As he said, they blitz him. They double team him. Whenever he posted up, he was they were they were double teaming him. Now to his credit, Never. Demar Derozan makes the right pass more often than not. Absolutely, but I think you just hit on two things, bro. That as an isolation team, they're not trained to make the pass for flow. They're trained to make the pass as a second option, and that's what killed them. The Miami Heat time the blitzes up perfect. It's like, yo, we get you comfortable enough to think that you could do your thing. And then once we realize that we got you where we want to be, we use that leverage against you and put you in a spot where you can't make a good pass. So that's kind of what killed them last night. And even then, at that same time, we wouldn't allow DeMar to get to his spot to get comfortable. Because as an isolation player, once he hits his spot and he's comfortable, there's not a whole lot you can do, whether that be him going to get his own shot, or as you mentioned, making that pass. But they made him so uncomfortable last night from getting to that spot that the pass wasn't a comfortable pass, even when that's what he had to do, because there was no way he was going to score over the two or three guys that were out there on him. I will say, though, like, of, of course, I love what my team did. 
but Demar is ridiculous. He had some shots in there that I was I was like, well, hey man, what else do you want us to do? Amazing isolation player. He's gonna make some shots because he's one of the best thirty scorers in the world. You know, he's one of the best thirty ball players in the world, but he's one of the best fifteen scorers in the world. So that's what they do. You know what I mean? Um, and I he's mean, also six. And people forget he's six seven. He had like a fallaway jumper, like at the top of the key. And it was a really tough shot, and that shit all net. It was, it was. I, I go like, well, you, sometimes you just gotta throw your hands up and like, absolutely, move on, absolutely. But if you look at, but still, look at the shot chart, right? If you look at Demar Derozan and what he usually do, looking at Monday night, it was a situation where it's like, okay, Demar can do his thing, he can be okay. But he's not going to beat us. And when you're holding him under 50% from the floor, and he's not a great three-point shooter anyway, but when you're making them take the three to try to loosen everything else up, you're winning. Because, because that's not take, his game. Right. And that means that that's a two that he's not taking. And on top of that, you're holding them to under 50% shooting from the floor. 43.8%, 7 to 16 to be exact. I mean, that that's all you can ask for. Magnavian only scored 22, 2 of 8 from 3. He went 50%, 8 of 16 from the field. But, I mean, shit, you know. He got to the rim a couple times. Right. That's what I was about to say. When when you're his size or his his ability to become athletic once he gets to that paint area, um, you know, you're not going to keep him from doing anything. But to be quite frank with you, by the time he really started to get loose, it was too late. And something – you mentioned something, like, about the game fits in part and blitzing DeMar. What we can do is because of the discipline on defense that all of our players have. Even even someone like Tyler. Tyler, of course, he's not going to stop anyone. He won't he won't lock anybody up. But he'll try and he'll stay. He has he has good discipline. Team defense, bro. People underrated, and, and that's what that's what we talk about with Duncan all the time. They're good team defenders. They they may not be able to individually shut a motherfucker down. But within the team scheme, they understand positioning, they understand angles, they understand where the fuck they're supposed to be to help out their brother who's pushing the offensive player a certain way. That's why they're good team defenders. That That's all that is. And Gabe Vincent's ability to at least contain Zach Levine by himself. The best himself. thing Avery Bradley ever done for us. The best thing Avery Bradley ever done for us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but listen... Gave Vince the ability to stay with Zach Levine even when he was on an island against him and held his own. And by the way, that's on the defensive end. You gotta talk about Gabe Vincent on the offensive end. He was letting it fly with confidence. Like this season, he has taken a step forward, and I think it's mostly just due to confidence. Like sometimes he passed off some shots that he shouldn't have in past seasons. Like even last year when he was when he, we were forced to play him heavy minutes. This season. I mean, shit. He he even took some contested shots. Oh yeah. So I mean, he's just shooting them, man. Like you said, the confidence. Then confidence means everything. And and towards the notion I was speaking to us earlier, a lot of shots were in and out, man. And those same shots are falling now. Last night, you could see it when it changed. Well, I'm not gonna say see it when it changed because it's changed, you know, coming into this year. But there was a point last night, like later in the middle of the third period or whatever where he shot the shot and kind of cocked himself sideways like he knew it was supposed to go in. When a guy is playing with that much confidence, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Okay. So we covered the Bulls game now. Now I'm happy. But 
there's something else we want to talk about. Bam Adebayo. We hinted at it that we were going to talk about him. He was outstanding this month. I mean, ever since that Boston game, he went on a mission. And he, I think he said publicly, like, he felt like, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but there was something along the lines, like, he felt like his, he felt that he let his teammates down. And Well, um, I think Tash uh, Bally had it. Um, no, it might, I'm sorry, it's Goldberg, of Lock, West Goldberg of Locked On Sports, um, Locked On Heat. Um, I think he was speaking to, I want to say Malik Allen, I want to say. Um, either way, one of the Heat's assistant coaches, I do want to say it's Allen, though. Um, basically, after the Boston game, Bam felt like he could have did more. I think we talked about it. Um, shit. And that was, that, was the game, that was the game without Jimmy. Right. I think and Kyle did not play. Shot attempts than Bam. Yeah, and, and it was that rough. was the thing. Caleb Martin had more shot attempts than Bam, um, and that was a game where Boston just stomped the mud hole in us. They beat the shit out of us that game, um, and Bam knew he should have did more. And it's just since that game, you can see a more concerted and willful effort from Bam to give more, um, and that's what you need from the guy that's your second best player. That's what you need from a guy that's making max money and not that we're in his pockets, but what that means is we trust you. You're our foundational piece. You're a core piece. And also from a guy that's going to be the second part of your tandem for years to come along with Tyler Hero. Oh yeah. Uh, And about that, there was a play last night that I mentioned on Twitter that I expected to see that connection for years to come. Those are our two building blocks. And those are some damn good building blocks you have on your absolutely, team. Absolutely. And let's talk about this for a second. Let me interject. Speaking of Tyler Hero, you know what I was doing yesterday? I was looking up a little thing we like to call stats. When you're looking at players of 22 years of age, Tyler Hero, and then you look at a couple of more players that were 22 years of age at the time, mm, let's pull a couple of random players out of the hat. Uh, Donovan Mitchell and Bradley Beal. At age 22, Hero is just as good as one of them, Donovan Mitchell, on a few less shot attempts, far less usage than Donovan Mitchell was at 22. And he's way better than Bradley Bill was at 22. And mind you, he's bigger than them both. Here's the kicker. Neither one of those guys play much D. The thing you can say about Tyler is that he tries his ass off. You've seen the ability to get better. And playing on the Spolster in the Miami Heat system, you know he's only going to continue to do that. So why in the hell are we clamoring and stumbling over ourselves to have to pay one of those guys max money when we probably got a guy who at worst can come close to what they are? Listen, I hope if there are still Heat fans advocating to pay for Bradley Beal, then got some issues, man. Bradley Beal is not that guy. Uh, I'm really that's an underrated storyline from this for this summer. What money is he gonna get? Because I mentioned it. We were doing a pod with Jack. Well, he was his, in a sim, in a similar spot. Handcuff, with, man. But he was in a similar similar spot that with then Kemba with Charlotte. Right. I mean, but Washington has to pay him, bro. They can't let him go. If they let him go, what the fuck else do they do? They they're handcuffed. They didn't move I mean, him. When his we, value was at an all-time thought, high. We thought the same thing about Kimba. I don't know if we thought that with Kimba, though. I don't know if we thought that with Kimba because here's the thing about Kimba. Kimba's small, bro. Like, Kimba's like six foot, 
you know what I mean? Kemba's like six foot soaking wet on stills. Bradley Bill has a little size. And you can see Bradley Bill maybe being the best player of a duo, of a trio that can make some noise. Because Kemba is small, you always question his ability to lead a team out front because the point of attack would always be so weak, if that makes sense. Also, maybe Charlotte knew a bit more about the knee than they let on. Oh, fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. Because if his knee isn't... Now, I'm going to give you two things real quick, and this isn't we, we are on the Charlotte Hornets podcast. But one, if, if they don't know as much as they know about the need and they re-sign him. Two, I think he's going to end up back in Charlotte as a six-man. Ooh, wouldn't that be something? I mean, I like, listen, he's, I don't know the guy, but he seems like a really good dude. And it sucks that it's going this way for him. It was, this was supposed to be a homecoming season for him, finally York, playing in New York. New York is always a terrible fit, especially under that regime, man. Kimba know he's not a defensive guy. Why go play for a defensive coach? And especially at home, where the pressure's going to be at an all-time high. I mean, I think emotions got the best out of him. Like, he's a New York guy. His True. Probably had the most iconic play in college basketball history at MSG. True, He'll be true, for- true. He'll be forever linked to New York. It just so happens that... But now, right, that's what I was about to say, though. So does this little spurt kind of like, you know, put a little bitter on the taste of that sweet memory? Nah, that Yukon shot will live on forever. That That's Fair an immortal That's an immortal basketball moment. It is. I agree. I agree. I agree. So speaking of living on forever and moving on... The Miami Heat have the Milwaukee Bucks on Wednesday. Again, we're recording on Tuesday, March the 1st here. Um, listen, you- listen. If we beat all of the, these teams, if we go undefeated this week, I'm right, going to start saying mentioned- some unrest. I'm going to say some irresponsible things on Twitter. Oh, some, oh I'm going to be a disrespectful motherfucker. I mean, you got to realize we got the Bulls, we got the Bucks, we got the Sixers, and the Nets all in Basically, a seven-day window. All of our competition are the all the teams that could reasonably start standing our way for the Eastern Conference tournament. In seven days. Within seven days. If they beat them all, oh man, listen. Oh, I'm, I'm going to be beside myself. We're gonna get irresponsible, you know. Absolutely. Like we're gonna we're gonna say some wild shit. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna just say you put our names on the ring already. I'm gonna start asking yeah. motherfuckers what size you wear. Hmm. Listen. All jokes aside, Milwaukee, they've been okay recently. Like, I thought they would be better. They don't scare me though, JJ. I mean, they could beat us, but they don't scare me. They don't scare me as much as they did to start the season. But obviously, they're still the defending champs. They still have a top three player in the world. But I go like, okay, I guess. I think about I think about Rocky three, man. He bleeds. He's a man. <laughs> now, they we run the chance of them just cruising, like coasting in the regular season because usually, you know, when teams win, I mean. The big three hit he did did this. They won and they kind of coast at least in the twenty fourteen season because in twenty thirteen they did not coast. But twenty fourteen, like it was like, listen, we're we're champs. Like the regular season is just a formality, like just get through it. 
obviously think, that team that team got old really fast as well. That's something. I think that, when you have three arguable top seventy-five guys ever, you can do that. That is true. I will give you that. But I am not this. I'm not discounting them. Is what I'm going to oh, say. Oh no, I'm. I didn't discount them either. I'm not. I'm not discounting them either because I, I. I clearly said it. You know what I mean? Two minutes ago, they can beat us. They just don't scare me. Um, and I said, and and I'll say this. Okay, let's play an exercise here. Hold on, man. They, I, I want to put this point in. Milwaukee, you know, they they're taking a couple of licks too, man. I think that. The injuries that they've dealt with and the losses. Um, I mean, listen, Dante DiVincenzo is going to hurt them, especially with um, Pat Connaughton going down for as much for, for some time. Um, I don't know if Portis is going to be able to be the same guy in the playoffs. I love to see it, but I don't think he would be. I actually wouldn't love to see it, but I like Bobby Portis, strangely enough. Um, so, you know what I mean? I, I, I just think that there's a lot of questions over there as well. And then also, you got to show me, if you're Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, you got to show me that you're capable of what you were capable of during last playoffs again. I need to see it again. Because I know Giannis is going to bring it. Yeah, that's a fair point. But still, let's do an exercise here. Out of all those teams, we can agree that Brooklyn, uh, Milwaukee, Philly, and Chicago, they are the, and alongside Miami, they are the top five teams in the Eastern Conference, regardless of seeding. Cream of the crop. Which of those teams do you think has a legit shot? Obviously, they all have a legit shot of beating us, but the one that you could say, I could conceivably see it. Like, okay. it could be more conceivable for them to beat us then. I thought you then. were going to ask me which one of those teams do I think has a legit shot at winning the title because I was going to close my laptop and text you. Miami, mother... But, um... <laughs> oh, man, that's a tough question. If I had to pick one team, I would still go with Milwaukee. You see, it's a two-game sample size. But Philly, I am... I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of any team, obviously. But that's something worth monitoring. I think Philly had to give up quite a bit when they let Seth Curry go, bro. I think that the threat I mean, but, that he, if, but if Maxi fills that role as he like he has like getting his shot off. Well, Maxi's a scorer. Maxi's a scorer. But Seth Curry's sh- a shooter. That's what I'm saying. Like the attention that and by the way, the reports of Embiid the Embiid hard and pick and roll not working were greatly exaggerated. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> they that's a like somebody said on the timeline like people thought that basketball genius that that pairing basketball genius James Harden and an MVP candidate in Joel Embiid would not work I I didn't say it wouldn't work I was kind of skeptical I was like hmm, I want to see it first let's be we frank, have seen bro. we have seen it folk folks <laughs> it you got little ja- let's be frank when you pair little James Harden with big James Harden that's just one big ass James Harden and that's a problem because that's what Joel Embiid is. I mean, you can say what you want, but Joel Embiid is a center's version of James Harden. He do shit that he's not supposed to do with his body and his game, allowing him to circumvent the rules. Every time that motherfucker Euro step, he travels. But he's so smooth with it, and he's so strong that you can't call it because you're like, what did I just see? And by the way, they're shooting, like, the free throw attempts are 
insane when ever since Harden arrived. They have they I I need to look it up because it was it was an insane number because Because Harden's gonna get his, right? But Joel said this after that first game. I've never been this wide open. Well, being that wide open means there's a single dude or at least a dude coming over to help that is playing defense on you. Inevitably, when there's less coverage and less motherfuckers will be able to surround you, they're going to foul you more. So not only is James going to get his attempts, but now Joel's attempts are going to go up too. Oh, it's getting real nuts out here. Do you know how many shot free throw attempts they have in two games with James uh, Harden? I'm going to go 78. Oh, man, 80. I was close, right? Yeah. I, well, what do you think? <laughs> I'm terrified. That's what I think. But here, here's the thing, though. That's usually not very reliable in the playoffs because the rest kind of swallow their whistles. It isn't, point. bro, but that's what worries me. We're talking about James Harden and Joel Embiid. These are two motherfuckers who can draw fouls. They can now, get to the line. Now that, now that I think about it, you could get a game where the refs swallow their whistles, or you can get a Scott Foster game where the refs decide to be the protagonist of the game. I mean, what you mean? Every every fucking Miami Heat game this year? Well, not every, like, no, almost all I, of them. Not, not pretty close to every game. I mean, now don't get me wrong. I mean, Cowboys, last night's game was pretty well officiated. I agree. I agree. That was probably the best officiated Miami Heat game this season. Cal Lawyer has never seen a call that he likes. I'll give you that. But oh, the refs have their work <laughs> cut out for them if these two teams oh, absolutely, meet. absolutely. Between Kyle Laurie and PJ Tucker on one side and Joel Embiid and James Harden on the other side, oh, it's going to be a shit show. And, but, and Doc Rivers as well, true, yelling true. at the refs. Well, you know what? And Spoh's Spo been with the shits a little bit this season, too. Didn't he get, he I, I think he got called for a tee the other one of these He did. He did. Games. I think it was last night. Oh, wasn't it against the night? Spurs. It wasn't against I think it was against the Spurs. Yeah, I think so, too. But... Spo has been letting the refs know how he feel recently, too. So, I mean, you know, it, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I think that I think that we can beat anybody in the East. I only think there may be – I think that we can beat anybody in the East. The only team that I would worry about beating us, though, right now is Milwaukee. Philly, I don't think that – I think that losing Seth Curry hurts them um, because I think that that will allow us to throw everything we have at MB and tell James Harden to beat us. And he can – it's just that when you have defenders like we do and the versatility that we have, it's going to be harder. I don't see Brooklyn fully meshing. I look, they're man. Gonna, I know, they're going to have too little time to play together. Right. Exactly. Assu- assuming KD comes back to full health, which I hope he does because us, even though he's our opponent, I love seeing Kevin Durant play basketball. Assuming that mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving returns to full time player status, New York which is lifting, is, up, I was about lifting to say, which the, the mandates. Yep. Yep. But he still can't play, but I feel like by the playoffs, he's going to be there. And you know, Ben Simmons, ben Simmons um, has another back thing that he has to work out. So that's Wasn't that mostly a conditioning thing? Like they were like, hey, look, let's take it. Well, they also said he was experiencing back tightness and back discomfort. So you never know with those whole purported situations. Seems to me like maybe it's just a reconditioning thing. But hey, maybe I, I may be talking out of my ass. Do you think he plays against Philly March 10th? Yes, totally. That might be his first game. Oh my god, if that were his first game, I'm serious. I'm gonna, I think I might need to watch that. <laughs> oh, I'm in there. I mean, listen, uh, let me see if Miami doesn't play that, that day because ooh, that's appointment viewing. 
Yeah, we don't play that. I'm going to be there. Nope, we played the Phoenix Suns the day before and the Cavs the day after. Oh, yeah, well, if Ben Simmons plays, I'm I'm going to be there. Oh, well, totally. shit, even, even if he doesn't play, I'm going to be there because James Harden against Brooklyn. Absolutely, absolutely. Although, it's not as dramatic if you have... Ben, like if you don't have Ben Simmons returning oh, to I wanna, Philly, I want to see Ben and Joel. I don't give a fuck what nobody say. I want to see Ben guarding Joel and Joel guarding Ben. You know, Joel is going to say something to him. Absolutely, you punk mother. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Listen, okay, I think this is a good way to wrap it up. Absolutely. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Very quickly, did you see the Woj report? What's that? Oladipo. Obviously, when, Walsh is not as plugged in with the Heat, but he did report that the Heat are hopeful that he returns in within the first two weeks of March. Oh yeah. Um, guess what? Guess what day it is today? March first. March, March first. So we're officially on Depot watch. He was removed from the ESPN Miami Heat injury report. He's been on an assignment with the with the CS Fall Sky Force. So we're getting close, folks. We're getting real close. I'm just interested to see what what version of Depot we get, but of course that'll that'll be something to sit the monitor. Oh yeah, and if he comes back in that established in that time out. frame, it's Max. I figured it out. Max is the odd man out of the rotation. You can't. Oh yeah, think well, I think I think Caleb's we gonna stick. After Gabe's performance last night, it became clear that Max is the odd man out. Right. Which sucks, but no, Max has a, been I, right. Max has been sneaky and consistent this year. I know well, you love him, but I think that I think you're that the president of the so, Click Clack Club. But absolutely, I think it's more so that um, Max isn't getting the same looks every game. I think it's whereas Caleb is going to get the same same opportunities. You run the wing, we're going to find your ass on the wing and get you to rock going towards the cup. Gabe is the backup point guard, so he's going to have the ball in the same position every game. I think that with Duncan's volatility in the foul situation and just the rotational alignments, oh, we, I don't... Man, we ma- we almost went an entire episode without a situation. Oh, yeah. I said it one time. Um, oh, wow. Uh, I mean, I said it twice. That was my second time. But you missed it the first time, by the way. Um, I think that Max just doesn't get the consistent alignment in the same spots as the other two. And that's fine because Max is going to be around for at least a couple more years. So he'll find his time. You know, I'm like you said, I'm the king of the Big Max click clack club. So um, we're still taking members. He's going to be fine. Yeah, but I agree with you. I think he's the odd man out. Unless Gabe falls off significantly, which I don't see happening. But see, here's the kicker though, and this is what I've been telling the people. It isn't just about Gabe shooting or his offense. Gabe is a great point of attack. Well, I'm not going to say great. Gabe is a good point of attack defender. Gabe is a good distributor. And Gabe's but ability. Wait, okay. okay, listen. Let me rephrase that. Unless he kills us on offense. Like, okay, years cool. past. Okay, on years cool. past where he was basically unplayable on offense. Well, that was because he was relegated to a spot-up shooter, bro. That's what I'm saying, but. Unless he, he but like, that's, regresses. That's what I'm telling you. That's what I'm telling you. In the role he's been playing this year. He won't be relegated to just being a spot-up shooter. Even if the shot isn't going, his ability to run the two-man game, his ability to get into the lane and finish at the rim or with that little float shot, um, his ability to defend guys out at front, I think that that's going to keep him on the floor. Yeah. 
So I think now we should end the pod. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 305 Culture Podcast. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Please leave a short review and a five-star rating wherever you get your pods so that we can grow. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 305CulturePod. And where can they find you on social media, JJ? They can find me at JJ Rivera NBA. That's at JJ Rivera NBA on Twitter and on Instagram if you're into that sort of thing. At J Rivera ninety eight. That's at J A I R O R I V. It's in Victor E R A ninety eight. Where can they find you, my friend? On Twitter, they can find me at K said K. That's K underscore S A I D underscore Q U E. Again, K said K on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find me at I M K Serious. That's I A M K C I R R U S. Again, I M K Serious on Instagram. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it, and we'll see you in a few days. Yeah. Thank you for listening. See you in a few days. Bye bye.